Welcome to the Growing Home Podcast, where we hope to inspire you to lead a life of slow living, nourishing food, family culture, homemaking, and homesteading. This is where we cultivate new skills and fortify our joy alongside you. Hello, Evan. Y'all don't know, but Lauren just had to chase six chickens back into her yard right before (laughs) we pushed forward like 30 seconds ago. Yep. It was, uh, and I stepped on some thorns too, but uh, we're here. We're recording now. We had a lot of technical difficulties, but here we are. Welcome to Growing Home Podcast. Welcome. So last episode we recorded, we kind of spoke to our break. Now we're back. We're full on. We're ready to go. It feels like every year spring rolls around and you really do like wake up from the dead of winter. There's all this stillness and stagnation and just like tiredness. And then all of a sudden you're ready to go. It's kind of like ovulation or something. Yeah. So we're going to talk about spring on the farm and homestead. I'm yeah. excited. I'm excited too. I feel like, like you said, there's an internal and an external winter that happens and an internal and external spring that happens. And I feel that. Mm-hmm. And this is a time of year when I like making changes and yes. diving into all the new projects and um, and stuff like that. So it'll be fun to talk about what we're doing homestead and farm-wise this year. Yeah. Definitely. And I think it's going to go really well with the topic of our next episode and kind of blend into it because we're going to talk about all the things we have been planting and that we want to plant. It is now late spring season. So as my permaculture husband tells me, stop buying trees. It's too late to plant trees. <laughs> um, I heed his warning and have listened, but I did order some before that warning and they're going to be late. But the, the thing is, we can't put them in the ground yet because we still have basically wild goats and they're not wild, but they roam the nearby properties and just do whatever they please. And they'll eat anything that you plant that's not protected. So they're going to be in pots for a little bit and then we'll probably put them in the ground in fall when they like go dormant. But yeah, I'm excited to talk about what we're doing now, what we've done recently, what's gone in the ground and in pots. And then maybe what we have our sights on for the fall season. Yeah. But before yeah, we maybe... get to fall. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was going to say before we get to fall, we have to make it through the summer months. And I've been getting a lot of questions about how to do that. I think from mostly from people who are new to Texas. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. Do you want to start us, start us off and start talking a little bit about the projects that you have going on right now? Sure. Okay. So um, right now we're working on putting up a perimeter fence, which has taken a lot of time and energy resources, yada, yada. Um, Once that's up, it's going to help us to keep all the goats where we want them. And then I can start putting things in the ground. I also have the enclosed backyard area where the puppies are currently. They have been slowly moving off to their new homes, which is very beautiful to see, but also really hard for me because I'm the one who's attached to them, giving them treats, cuddling them every day. And uh, they all are very special in their own little ways. But when they all leave, I'm going to comfort myself by tearing up that yard. It's got a bunch of cinder blocks underneath the dirt and like half of the yard. They just try to help with, I guess, drainage and stuff like that by putting 
cinder blocks everywhere. So I've got to tear those up, refill it. And I kind of want to do a potager garden there, like a mix of beautiful flowers and vegetables and herbs and have it be a bit of a wild space. I'm still trying to work out the transitions from one zone to the next. Like what are the walkways like? Um, Do I have little specific areas for different things? I think I want to create a microclimate with some fruit tree in the yard, just one, because we're also going to start working on our orchard space, um, which is a big project. And, you know, as we say, the best time to plant a tree was 10 years ago. Um, Well, when you plant fruit trees, as we can talk about, and you know, usually takes several years to get or see anything from them. So I'm feeling antsy to get things in the ground. And Mason has like this patience, this permaculture oversight of like it's good to just get to know the land for a long time and figure out where things would go best and I understand that totally from the herbalist perspective but now we've been here a year I kind of see where things would be good um, to be placed so we have an idea for a big plot for gardening and I think what we're going to do soon is put watermelon down lots of watermelon I think that's going to be the only like uh market garden kind of focus this this season because they're so low maintenance we have the perfect soil for them so much sunshine it'll be close to the water that we have because we don't have irrigation set up Um, so that's kind of the only thing we're going to focus on we're still just going to buy things from farmers and the stores for now for the most part I do want to go over everything we've planted and that we're going to plant but I want to turn it to you for now so you can talk about some of your projects first okay cool um yeah so we've been here seven months I think and I kind of knew um last year that I wasn't going to plant a big garden this year we've had a bunch of things to kind of get set up before I knew we need to do raised beds here we don't have great soil like you guys do and our soil is super rocky so that's basically our that's our best option And I've kind of, I'll talk about that when I'm talking about future fall plans, but for now we've been focusing on the fence. We've, we actually borrowed Evan and Mason's tractor for like six months because Trevor has been working on this fence. Um, We went all just basically down one side. Our property was already fenced on two sides kind of, and the other two sides needed to be fenced. So Trevor finished the the sort of back side and now we have a sort of enclosed backyard and then we have the front I don't know fifth of an acre or something that is just just open and we're gonna take the fence all the way around the front and have sort of a sliding driveway gate and the purpose of that versus just leaving it open is because it's really not usable to us if it's just open to the street we have lots of dogs in this neighborhood that roam free and we have you know just we don't want we have cars that drive on our street I mean it's a very it's it's very calm on our street but if I'm going to be out there planting gardening with the kids I'd rather just have it all fenced in so I know everyone's safe we can leave the doors open it's just going to make it more of a usable space for us and that front area is going to be our main orchard um because yeah, I kind of I'm kind of thinking about it in a permaculture zone type type of way where what we have closest to the house are the things that I'm dealing with like on an everyday basis like my chickens are pretty close. Um and then but for now, like you said, like we me and you have said multiple times to each other 
the best year to plant a tree was 10 years ago. <laughs> uh, the best time to plant a tree was 10 years ago. And if, and the second best time is right now. So, mm-hmm. um, we are, we are needing to clear out a bunch of gravel from the front, finish our fence out front. So it wasn't really realistic for me to plant our, our main orchard where I think I'm going to be able to fit somewhere between 10 and 15 trees out there. I'm not sure if I'm going to, if I'm going to do semi-dwarf or dwarf. Um, but I was like, I need to get some trees in the ground. So we planted four trees at the, in the early, in early spring. And I've been tempted to buy more, but <laughs> like you said, it's <laughs> not the best time now that it's starting to heat up here in Texas to plant them. You typically want to plant them while they're still dormant before they are getting all their leaves. So we planted four trees, then two varieties of peach and two varieties of plum, um, for our kind of back area um orchard and we've been doing a lot of yeah just observing the land we have a lot smaller of a place than you guys and although it seems like so much space like when we moved from the city it's also really imperative that we are Mm -hmm. utilizing every part you know it's not this big sprawling property that we can just plant willy-nilly and have extra space it's like once I am planting these trees like there's no more, that is mm-hmm. taking up an entire place. So everything that I'm doing is super calculated. Um, and we also have like 50 native trees on the property that I don't really want to take down. Um, and we have the septic that takes up a whole area. So it's like, like you said, we're trying to figure out the different zones of what we're doing. So so right now we did a few, we did four trees to just kind of get, get my feet wet and caring for them and feel like okay, they're here. And in a few years, we're going to see fruit from them because yeah, you you don't, they don't fruit for the first couple of years. And even if they're budding, you typically want to pull the flower buds off as soon as they bloom. Because if a tree, a baby tree is putting out energy towards fruit, it's not putting out energy towards roots and then it will become top heavy and potentially die. So we have those, uh, and another, we have the fence going, we have those trees going and our, our next big project that we're actually going to be starting sometime this week is adding on to our chicken run. We have a 10 by 20 chicken run, but that was for our original six hens that we bought. I mean, really it's you, you know, people say you can fit a lot more hens in there, but we're adding another 10 by 20 foot run. So it'll be 10 by 40. Um, and our chickens free range pretty much all day and but when we're gone we leave them in their run so we have ducks now we have more chicken I literally just went to the store today and bought more chickens so clearly there's just gonna be them on a baby monitor yes I am currently (laughs) watching them on a baby monitor because I have like four week old chickens that I decided to put the baby chicks in with and I was a little worried that they might bully them which is happening so mm-hmm. I'm actually yeah, gonna totally. have to separate them after today I did this last time but I think uh where I put baby chicks in with slightly bigger chicks but I think these ones are a little bit older and they seem mm-hmm. to be bullying them so I think I'm actually just gonna move them outside there's a heat lamp out there I'm just gonna put them in the grow pen I think they'll be fine anyways yeah, so I have, do, we're doing that. And oh, and this isn't really a homestead thing, but it kind of is because I have kids and they're one of the things I grow on the homestead, which is that we're <laughs> building a play, like a playscape for them back there, which is really fun. Um, and yeah, just kind of those, those are the main sort of three things, the fence, the chicken run and the fruit trees were kind of our focus this spring. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I did plant, I just planted a few things in pots, like some vegetables. I just planted some tomatoes and some lettuces just to kind of 
feel like I'm doing something on the gardening yeah. space <laughs> when I don't have really any space to do so. Uh, right now, although I do, I'll talk about this in our, when we get to talking about our future plans, my, my big garden goal, but at least I'm getting a little something, not really in the ground, but in the pot this spring. Yeah. Feels good to get your hands dirty at least a little bit in the spring. It's really hard to resist getting something going. Yeah, I feel that. I'm so excited about your playscape and the ducks. I need to go see them. I know they're bigger than I saw last time. They are ginormous now. They have the cutest names. Um, That all sounds wonderful. And all those are such wonderful spring activities. Um, So I'm curious about... In the future, do you plan to do seed starting inside or do you think you might want to have a little greenhouse space? Oh, Trevor and I, when we were mapping out where we're going to put the goat barn, we were, there's this little area that we can't really Mm. do a lot because the septic spray is over there. And we were like, well, if we were going to put a greenhouse, we could totally put it here because it's going to be enclosed. Um, So I don't know. I think I'll start seeds inside or if I need to for now, but we did. We've done direct sowing into just right into the pots outside in early spring. I think my lettuces are getting a little burnt. The sprouts are getting a little burnt because I did it a little later this year. But even in Vegas, when we had our small little garden on our patio, I just direct sowed everything out there. Um, But I mean, a greenhouse would be amazing. Yeah, I think that's far off for me. Um, And we'll probably do some, I think next spring when I'm really focused on the garden we'll probably just start seeds inside and then evaluate from there what do you how about you do you guys have plans for a greenhouse well you brought up long-term visions and I got so excited thinking about things that the greenhouse came to mind um we have kind of like a what do you call it the observatory we have like a room that you would consider an observatory. Yeah. It's, it's like a mix between a greenhouse and a room. True. Um, it's kind of off of our kitchen. It's really nice space. It's not attached to the central heating and cooling and it's all windows. And so I kind of have been using that like an in-between. It's going to be like a dining hall slash greenhouse room slash um, homeschooling room, I think one day. And I, I want to fill it with plants. Um. But I do want a greenhouse one day and they make those little cute kits and stuff and you can just design them out of all sorts of things. But my mother-in-law and I have this mutual love of old glass and she has so much old stained glass collected. And I don't know if you've been on Marketplace, but even like a small old window, that's, uh, it could be ugly even. Those sell for hundreds of dollars now. It's just like a very popular thing and she's like the queen of garage sales and estate sales so she's been collecting this stuff for probably 40 years that's how long she's been in the area she's in and uh, she has a bunch of it anyway so we've talked about building a greenhouse out of those which makes me very excited that sounds so amazing and picturesque so up my alley you know how I care about the aesthetics I want to be making it super beautiful yeah I feel you also on like next year will be the year of the garden this year is not the year of the garden it's just the yeah throw some watermelon out and see what happens um I was gonna say something else about it oh about the planning each little area very specifically because it's so limited and it's so permanent trees especially like you're not really going to be digging them up and and moving them somewhere else on the property and you want it all to be really functional I totally get that 
we're having to be a little bit like that. We do have a decent amount of space, but we want to use so much of it for grazing. And right now we even have the Haley's in place. So there's not a ton of freedom. When the Haley's is up, there will be more, but then we still need to optimize as much as we can for moving cows from pasture to pasture and stuff like that. So uh, it has to be calculated. And I'm also trying to grow fences. Like I want living fences because fencing is expensive. We're going to have a perimeter fence that's electric, but it's not really like a privacy fence or anything, you know, out here in the country, that's not really a thing. There are some close neighbors and I think I just want some fast growing edges. Like I want to put a bunch of juniper and natives and then medicine trees and stuff like that. Like things I'm not going to use all the time. Like we talk about permaculture zones right next to our house behind our bedroom. That's going to be our garden plot, our main little market garden area. And then adjacent to that, creating like a microclimate that fades into just full orchard. That's where the orchard's going to be and kind of like a natural shape. And it's also going to function as partly a fence. And then I think at the back of the property, which is pretty close to the house, we're set pretty far back on our property. That's where I want to put all these like, uh, my husband, he's obsessed with moringa trees. That's his favorite plant, I think. So lots of things like moringa and I'm going to put hawthorn and mimosa and all kinds of beautiful medicine trees and bushes. I want to put a lot of bushes there too, like berry bushes. Um, but yeah, I love the permaculture zoning where it's like, okay, herbs and veggies right up against the house, everything moving out a bit further as you go towards needing it less, like nut trees. I feel like those can be spaced super far because they only have their season, you know, here and there and you go and you collect the pecans and then it's over. Yeah. Yeah. So um, right now I have a Rainier cherry tree and let me pull it up. I have other ones, a uh, moon glow pear an early grand peach, an early homestead pear, sweet pomegranate, Saracena olives, which we have another olive tree, but I'm not sure what kind it is, wonderful pomegranate, and then three blueberry, blueberry bushes. So a misty blueberry and then two pink lemonade blueberries, which is really exciting for me. And the reason I chose all of these is because they all need minimal chill hours, which is something I wanted to speak about. <laughs> Because I don't think a lot of people understand. I didn't understand until fairly recently that you need to make sure that whatever fruit tree you're growing is acclimated to your climate. Mm -hmm. So even peach trees, like you think of that as a typical Southern tree, most of them need tons of chill hours. Like um, out here where we are, we get 650 to 750 on average, but most peach trees need about a thousand chill hours. So the one I found needs about 200 chill hours. Should do excellent out here. Should get more than enough. But almost all the peach trees out there need so much. So anyway, all of those are chosen based on our chill hours and the needs that they have. And I totally wanted you to talk about seeds and why it's important to get heirloom. Mm. Oh yeah, I was gonna mention um, <laughs> like grafting trees and how everything is a yeah. clone. <laughs> yes, that's what I wanted you to talk about exactly. I was like, Lauren would do a great job explaining all this. Okay, yeah. So first of all, about the chill hours, I was just gonna say that one of you know we the tools that we have to 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 look at that in a really like, streamlined way is zones. You know, mm -hmm. so like we're zone. I yeah, we must be the same zone eight B. Um, so that kind of 
takes mm-hmm. into account how many chill hours and how hot it gets. So it will be it will show you a lot of times when you're looking at a specific type of tree what zones it will thrive in. It'll be it might be like six A to nine A or something. And since we're eight B, then it would do well in our area. Um, so that's yeah, helpful to look at. And yeah, seeds. Seeds are so interesting. So Evan and I were talking about this the other day, but we were talking about, you know, I think you mentioned starting a tree. I want to talk about that. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm still going to do some of that, but there's yeah. a, re- yeah, I'll explain it. Yeah. Totally. I think, we, yeah, you mentioned starting a tree from a seed and I was like, Hey, do you know that every single fruit tree, <laughs> it might not be every fruit tree. So every apple, we were talking about apples, um, like every honey crisp apple that you've ever eaten is a genetic clone of the, the, the others. Um, how it works with apples and peaches and most fruits is that you can't they don't grow true from seed so you can't just get a honeycrisp apple from the store put a seed in the ground and grow a tree that will produce honeycrisp apples they don't grow true to seed so you can get basically any any variety of apple that has ever existed a crab apple um you can get you can get a sweet apple, you can get a very sour apple, a tiny apple, a big apple. They don't carry their parents' genetics basically through. So every, you know, fruit tree that you buy is going to be grafted where they take a root stock of usually a hardier tree, which is helpful because they're they're usually fruit trees can be fairly weak when it comes to like adapting to different soils. So it's helpful in that way too, where they'll take a hardier root stock that you know, thrives in maybe poor soils that's more, more hardy. And then they, they cut, they cut it. And then they basically essentially glue, uh, a, they graft a, a branch or a tree, basically the stump onto that. And that's like how, that's how true fruit trees are grown, which I just thought was so interesting. I remember hearing this on a podcast a couple years ago, one of my favorite podcasts, oh, yeah. my Dallas's podcast. <laughs> Kevin knows how I love him. Um, but there was a really cool guy who actually has a crab apple orchard talking about it. And and I think at first I was like, okay, I'm never ever going to eat another fruit ever again unless it's wild, you know? And and I think there are pros and cons because, you know, when you're growing fruit, you want to have sweet, juicy fruit. And I think I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with it, but I do think it's really interesting to know. And, you know, Evan and I were talking about the potential of kind of doing both, like having those varieties that you really want and and growing them from a grafted tree. And then also having, you know, ones that you're willing to, you mentioned feed to the animals if you don't like it as much, have, have grown from seed and just be okay with whatever's going to come out of it. I think it's just a really interesting experiment kind of. Um, to do that but I do think it's really interesting to know about like to know that every fruit tree is grafted I don't think most people know that yeah it's crazy how many I mean there are all these old old varieties of apples and you can get heirloom varieties of apples and seeds pretty easily because there are people who are stewards of that there are people who dedicate their entire lives to collecting all the different heirloom varieties from their region Um, and that's really cool but they're not going to be Honeycrisp. They all are v- so different. Some are um, bred to be bitter, and they will always be bitter. You know, like there's all kinds of different apples, and so we're very used to and accustomed to our sweet Honeycrisp. And because you brought that up, I will say 
I just got some organic honey crisps and I'm totally going to plant the seeds. And I think it will be probably what happens is that the hardier rootstock plant might be what grows, you know, or like it's usually um, maybe what it's been pollinated by a different apple tree. And so I don't know what kind of tree is going to grow. I'm sure it's still going to be good because the things that came together to make a honey crisp are good. I'm sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but this is coming from me out of a place of frugality and wanting to learn how to do it. Um, we'll talk about this soon, I think. And I guess I can tease it a bit. <laughs> We've been in kind of, um, how do I say it without it being triggering? Like a state of preparedness, but not stressed kind, you know, just like it's kind of fun for us to talk about being self-sufficient and not even in like a a fearful way necessarily. It's just like it's when has it stopped being a good idea to know how to do these things? I never did. It's just that we stopped prioritizing the knowledge. So it's really fun for us to have these conversations about well, how do you get this thing to grow? How does this thing like to be started? I want to know those things. I see that we're running out of time, I think. Um, but anyway, I'm going to grow these and if they don't do well for my taste, then they will be great for pigs or chickens. They're going to be excellent food that grows on the property that I'm in control of how it was produced. And I love that idea. So, um, I'm actually doing that with some blueberries too. And that could be really fun for y'all with kids to start some blueberry bushes from home. I live in an area with very acidic, sandy soil where pines like to grow. So it's perfect for blueberries um, in my mind, at least. We'll see how it goes. And uh, part of it is because we're in a season of being really frugal. And so it's kind of fun for me to experiment with that and see, okay, well, how much can I get started with just what we have with these extra handful of blueberries that we don't need to eat this week? And um, how far can I take it and what can it do? And also because, like I said, I want to create those hedges and those wild fences. I need to grow a lot <laughs> because those are really big spaces and these things are going to take a long time to grow into sizable plants. Another thing I'm doing is collecting seedlings from the sides of roads that are just going to get mowed. The ones that I want, like I want yeah. some oaks. So I'm going to go collect some oak seedlings. That's super smart. I love that. Yeah. I'd love to learn how to graft eventually too. Like Me too. take some of these native trees that are in the backyard that are clearly you know, built for this, this, the very, like the, the small, the small little ones and graft, you know, from mm -hmm. my own fruit trees onto them. That would be super be so cool. cool. Yeah. I'm sure you learn how to do it. Let's learn how to do it. Yeah. Seems let's do it. Fun. Yeah. I love the idea of, like you said, having those extra ones that you're not necessarily eating, kind of going back to, yeah, we're going to talk, we're going to talk about prepping and sort of our viewpoint on it and not, I mean, we can, we can dive into what that means to us next week, but having, uh, we were talking about how, how chickens are such a key, right? Having them for meat, having them for eggs, but, um, but not being, having a way to feed them. <laughs> that is a key piece. You know, you're closing that loop when you are creating food for them on the homestead. Yeah. And so one of the questions I've been getting a lot lately is what do you do for the animals in the summer months? Because it, I mean, it gets scorchingly hot here all summer and summer is very long and we have shaggy animals like the great Pyrenees dogs. So water, we like to give them pools of water. It makes all the difference. The animals love it. Cows love it. I mean, the goats love it too. So we, we just like to make sure there's water out there that they can step in, um, safely. And, um, 
also most days when it's really hot, I give the dogs a cool treat. I don't give them ice water, but I give them cold bowls of milk or whey. Whey is a favorite for me to give them. It's extra protein, especially while they're growing and it's super cool. It's just like cold cheese water. They love it. Um, and, uh, spraying for myself, I spray my face with water all the time. Super important for the hydration. And I've been lately getting into natural sunscreen. I know that's super controversial. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Um, I have not worn it basically all my life except for in childhood and have recently played around with using it some, and, um, I like it so far. But anyway, that's what we're going to be doing for summer. Do you have anything on that? Yeah, uh, for, well, this is my first year with any animals besides dogs, obviously. Similar, I mean, with the dogs, we don't have them running outside. I mean, we have a husky, so she's, she loves to be inside. Like, last summer, she was struggling. Um, but she wasn't our dog yet. She was a street dog at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for my chicken coop, I'm actually, we have, we have similar style coops, or the same coops, actually, because we got them from the same place, run down, and we repaired them, um, And I actually added boards to close in the coop during winter because I had young chick chickens at that point, like pullets, very young hens. And I'm actually going to take off those boards. So there will be like a lot more open airflow. Uh, But that's basically, I mean, that's the only thing I'm doing. Obviously, my ducks, they have their pool. Um, And I guess the chickens (laughs) could get in there, but they definitely will not. (laughs) They will not. Um, and I've been noticing that my chickens are roosting outside, like out of their coop uh, on the bar, like they're enclosed in a predator proof run, but they are not like going in the coop at night. So I guess that's them. Yeah, I know. It's really funny. And I go out there and I see them like on top of the coop or on the bar outside. I think they're probably doing that because they get like more air and it's not even that hot yet. I also got some naked necks and I was talking to the girl at the feed store. She's like, everyone makes fun of them. But in the summer, they're the ones that are sunbathing and doing so well. Aww. She said that they're really like good at not overheating. Um, and then for myself, I mean, I'm such a heat person. That's one of the few areas that Evan and I are really different <laughs> is that I just love the heat. I mean, but we swim all the time. We're constantly in water. That's, She's that's blonde the key. With I don't think I... <laughs> What'd you say? I said you're blonde with tan skin. I'm like yeah. Irish. <laughs> I guess that's true that's true I do burn a little so we use you know for the kids hats and and long sleeves when need be and we do have we do use natural sunscreen as well we've started doing that more this past you know year and a half so those are my quick summer tips nice yep yeah yeah I had a thought but it floated away so on to the next so Oh, as far as shade goes, uh, we have this horse walker that was left on the property. It's a hot horse walker, which means it plugs in, but that's obviously not something we're probably going to be using for anything. Um, And I'm considering selling it or turning it into cow shelter. If you ever want to look it up and you're curious or you have cows, they sell these gigantic cow umbrellas that are mobile. You can move them around your pasture, but they're like I think the cheapest one I remember seeing was about $15,000. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. So this is like the shape of an umbrella, but it's a horse walker. And I thought maybe we could uh, get some of those out of commission billboard um, materials. They sell those and turn it into some janky shade. I just don't know if I can bring myself to do it, but they need shade and we need to move them around. So anyway, yeah. that's something I'm considering. And then We're just going to briefly touch on fall and winter ideas that we have right now. I'm sure they're going to evolve a lot as the season comes. 
Um, I think just planting a million trees and getting a million, I'm going to try to start a bunch right now and keep them all in the greenhouse growing, which is not super ideal because they'll get used to it in there. Um, but I'm just going to hope for the best and give them like a fake drought every once in a while. Um, and then transplant them out there. I think a lot of trees is just my, my main outdoor goal. Um, we're adding, oh, I guess I could announce it. Maybe I'll wait till the next one. We're adding a new member to the farm soon, but I'll talk about it next time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's exciting. Uh, my, yeah, my goal for this fall and winter, I think is my main goal. I'm going to have a few. And like you said, I mean, it seems like there's always something new that keeps coming up. You know, it's like, we're not even finished with one project. And then we're like, oh, we have to do this next, you know? Um, but my main one is to get my garden, um, my raised beds built and it all fenced in. Cause obviously the chickens will get in there and just eat everything. Mm-hmm. And they do free range the property most of the day. So yeah, it's gonna, I don't know how I'm going to totally do the fence. I definitely want it to be like some sort of mesh that you can see through, but that they can't just get in. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be, I already measured it out and kind of figured out where I'm going to put it. It's gonna be 2000 square feet and a bunch of different, um, I'm not totally sure how I'm going to do the raised beds yet. Like with a setup, if I'm just going to do it like totally rectangular all the way down it as rows, or if I'm going to kind of make it more like circular, I'm not sure, but Mm -hmm. I do have the area and the square footage all laid out. So that's going to be, you know, mine and Trevor's big project this fall and winter to prepare for next spring. That is a big project. I guess we'll be doing some of that too. Doing Hugo culture beds and stuff. Mason's really into doing those with the tractor. It makes it so much easier to successfully do that. We have one for the watermelon, but I imagine he'll be doing that to like that whole little plot we have. Yeah. There's a lot of projects. I also need to paint our house, but that's not really oh, a garden. I know. Pool. We didn't even, we didn't even touch on the house project. I know. We'll probably like have this is only thing. outside. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I went uh guard I went little window boxes. That's something oh, that's like a mix. Yes, I, I, love I that. man, I wanted to buy bulbs so badly this year and start mm-hmm. being one of those people. But it's just a year of frugality. And that just I mean, I was like, unless the flowers can be eaten, I'm not gonna buy them right now. Totally. It's and I think maybe something people don't think about. I don't think I did. It's like when we bought this place, it's like, there's all these things that we want to do, but all these things take time and money, like Mm -hmm. so much money, but to put into them before you're really getting anything back. Like both of our husbands said something about a thousand dollar egg when the chickens are laying (laughs) eggs, right? He was like, this is a $3,000 Because you put so much in for the infrastructure before you're really seeing anything in return. And there's, yeah, it takes so much time and we have kids and you have like jobs and you know, there's, fitting it all in is I mean I'm sure it's something we're going to talk about we might do a time management episode soon um but I think it would also be really cool for us to do a frugality episode because it's something we've been talking a lot about recently that's exciting um yeah I think we have a lot to talk about in the next you know few weeks here as we're recording together and things that feel relevant for us that I'm sure you know some people will feel resonant with as well and the frugality one's going to be really fun um, I do have a bunch of herbs going because those are flowers that can be eaten <laughs> and they're necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to start a bunch from seed too, but I'm trying to even be frugal to the point of like, I'm going to save those seeds when yep. they grow. I'm going to save the seeds and I'm uh, trying to use the stuff that's wild. We have a lot of bee balm popping up right now. It's mm-hmm. super fun. Um, some milkweed and tons of nettle, which hurts, but it's amazing. Yeah. It makes we have a giant... Food 
dewberry patch in our backyard i'll have to show you the videos and pictures i took like we got handfuls yesterday that's amazing yeah and they're delicious and sweet and tart it's so fun that's really fun i'm sure the kids love that they do okay my computer's about to die and my baby's awake so we gotta get out of here let's close in prayer let's close a quick one dear lord thanks for being with us in this time as we gather to talk about how we want to steward the things that you've blessed us with and um, how we want to take care and raise up new life. Um, We thank you for all of the resources we have about us and all of the people in this community that we can talk to when we want advice, when we need wisdom from someone who's already done it, when we just want support. (laughs) We thank you for your love and presence as the world seems a bit crazy. And we pray that you help us to remain as stress-free as possible and rest in you throughout all of it. We thank you for this time together and for our friendship and for this podcast. And we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Evan. You were watching you pray. No, I wasn't. I swear <laughs> I just opened my eyes. <laughs> it's okay if you do. I just thought that was funny. I look up and Lauren's like doing looking from under her forehead. <laughs> it's so cute. Okay, we'll talk okay. to you all very soon. Thank you guys for being here. Bye. Bye, Lauren. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope that it's brought value into your lives. For a minute here, I'm going to share about some things that have brought value into our lives. We've chosen just a couple of sponsors this season, and these are companies that we trust, that we use in our daily lives, and that we feel confident about bringing to you. The first company is Purity Coffee. Now, I love this coffee, and there are a couple of things that set it apart. The first is how they test their coffee for mold. As many of us know, as coffee is processed, it often molds. And so this is an important part of the process. If you listen to the podcast, you know that Lauren and I have both gone through extensive journeys with mold. And so because this is a staple for my family, it's very important that when I sit down for a cup of coffee, I know it's not a steaming hot cup of mold. I've never found another coffee company that's more forthcoming or honest about this process. The second thing is the taste. Their beans are not over roasted, which I find to be super rare. They retain their flavor and complexity, and I just really appreciate that. It makes it a really enjoyable part of my day. Now we thought if there's anyone who can get down with animal fat in their skincare, it's probably our audience. So we're going to share PermaEarth with you. This company uses grass-fed tallow and pastured lard from small farms doing things the right way to create a wide range of skincare products. Everything from lip balm to face masks to soap to deodorant. These are products that you can pick up the bottle, read the ingredients list, and completely understand what's happening in just a few seconds, which we really love. They're nourishing, full of vitamins and minerals from these healthy animals, and very versatile. My favorite right now has been the SPF. It's the most simple I've ever found. It's just tallow, vitamin E, and non-nano zinc oxide. It doesn't get any simpler. We hope you check them out. So we're going to link both of these companies below and some of the companies that we also work with outside of sponsoring the podcast and link every discount code that we have. These are all companies we trust. We hope that you give them a try and we want to hear what you think of them. Thank you again for listening. I hope you have a blessed week.